The inflation numbers from the U.S. have been eye-popping. That's the description by the Fed's Mary Daly as U.S. CPI hits 6.2%. That is a 30-year high, and it could go higher. So will the Fed act? Can they really act without damaging the recovery and slowing the return to full employment? Uh, We'll look at the market reaction to all of that today and Australian job numbers, which might pick up a little as we emerge from lockdown. Probably a bit too early to see a big increase. And UK GDP for Q3 out later on as well. It's Thursday, 11th of November. 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, there is lots happening in bonds, but also a big rise in the US dollar this morning, up almost 0.9% on the DXY. It's up 0.9% against the Japanese yen as well, and 0.7% on the Swiss franc. The euro has lost 0.8%. The pound is down 0.9%. The Aussie seems to be doing rather well out of this. It's just half percent down. Uh, But of course, we saw big falls in the Aussie yesterday. Uh, But it's bonds where it's all happening, with yields rising everywhere just about. Well, Asia is the exception so far. Uh, Australian yields are down too. But 10-year treasuries up 11 basis points, almost the same for UK 10-year gilts as well. Stocks have certainly lost their mojo. 1.4% falling the Nasdaq, about 0.6% off the Dow, 0.7% down for the S&P, but European stocks doing okay. The FTSE uh, finished up 0.9%, the DAX up 0.2%, but oil back down again. WTI losing almost 3%, Brent down well over 2%. But equities and commodities are moving pretty quickly as we record this. It's it's fair to say. So it could be a completely different story by the time you listen to this. So what's it all this to do with? Well, it's inflation, of course, isn't it? Here's Gavin Friend from NAB in London. US CPI has scared people, it seems, Gavin. Year on year, up 6.2%. That's a 30-year high. Even core inflation uh, is up 4.6%. And the thing is, we know it doesn't stop there, does it? Mm. Morning, Phil. Yeah, well, as if we didn't already know it. Inflation is hot and it's pretty much all around the world. The the session on Wednesday started off with some punchy numbers coming out of China. Uh, You know, producer prices are up 13.5% on the year and year in October. That's the most since 1995, reflecting, you know, higher energy prices, raw material costs, and and then China reporting higher consumer prices as well up one and a half percent year on year reflecting base effects and narrow food food price uh, deflation they've got there but to your point we've then moved into you know through the european session and through 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 us where the focus all week is going to be has been on that number um and you know markets were primed for uh, a high a high rise you know almost to six percent uh, on the headline you know looking for 0.6 on the month we got a 0.9 on the month and on the core numbers markets were looking for 0.4 we got 0.6 and an annual rate at 4.3 versus a four percent consensus um you know so i think you know while the media have been reporting all week that we should be you know we should be on our guard for inflation in the u.s to hit 30-year highs i think it's it's the fact that it was even higher than expected and it was so broad so we're starting to see pushes up in rents which of course has got a really big weighting in the uh, inflation uh, basket car prices going back up again you know we, we we knew that was going to come given what's going on in auction in the auction uh, markets there food is pushing higher airlines didn't on this month run, uh, run higher but you know ahead of thanksgiving and then the, the upcoming holiday rest of the holiday season you'd expect that to be pushing on so well, it's coming opened, out it's coming out the of roots of course as well so there's a lot more demand so there's an opportunity yeah. for them to rise price but that that 13 and a half percent that producer price growth for china i mean that is that is the scary number isn't it because however high us cpi is that is the number that is yet to really flow through on on numbers globally <laughs> 
Yeah, but of course, you know, we have to think that that's um, that's really reflecting what's going on in, you know, China specifically, where there has been uh, a demand, whatever the cost, to get hold of energy. Um, and you don't see, like you do in Western markets, you don't see the feed through from that to the CPI numbers. And that's why, again, you look at CPI, it's running at 1.5% against 13.5% uh, producer prices. You know, there, there is some bleeding, but it's nowhere near the kind of thing that you'd see in, in Western markets. So I don't think we should get too alarmed about that. I think we can be alarmed enough about what's going on in the US, in the UK, uh, in Europe, you know, Remember, we're above 4% there. In Australia, we had that scary uh, quarterly number just a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's, it's, it's everywhere. And to your point at the top of the show there, um, it's going to go further. And that's the thing for markets. Remember last week, we had a meeting at the Fed. We had the Bank of England meeting. We had the RBA. We had comments from the ECB, all telling us that it's uh, temporary. Uh, that temporary word losing credibility, but it you know because it, because temporary and transitory has a has a sort of a, uh, a, a, a feeling that it's 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 there's a time limited to it. Actually, we should be saying um, you know we should be looking for a new word for this. Yes, we think it's going to be temporary, but it goes well on into next year. Remember, uh, Jay Powell, the Fed chair, last week talking about the labor market healing, the supply chains healing, certainly, he said, by Q2, Q3 next year. That's a long way off. So, you know, last week, central banks pushed that message of temporary. They pushed the message that it's too early to tighten policy. And markets reacted because markets were, were uh, priced for, you know, higher inflation mm-hmm. and, then, and, then, and then rate hikes. So they, uh, were, the, they, were, they were saying, basically, they, they, you know, have they got a point at that point, weren't they? You know, well, maybe we should start believing the central bank. Maybe things are going to take longer. But this this surely is going to turn things back again. We're going to be back where we were, where it's going to be the markets against the central banks trying to hold out for longer. Uh, absolutely. And that's, that's that, that, you know, what the price action today tells us is that um, – we're going to be in for, you know, potentially a lot more volatility in the, in the months to come as the incoming data continues to ratchet up on these price pressures. Now, to be fair, you had uh, uh, Mary Daly, the San Francisco Fed uh, yeah. president, coming out today. She was, you know, again, talking about it being temporary. temporary. Uh, she was asked about uh, the risks of, you know, um, the, the Fed falling behind the curve. And she said, well, look, you know, uh, we're watching and waiting uh, with vigilance, um, but and we're always thinking about the risks here. But if we act on rates early, we risk being premature. You know, that's the J Powell line. Uh, you know, talking about over four million uh, U.S. workers still out of a job. You need ten million if you think about where they were had the pandemic not have happened. That's all tied to the maximum employment mandate of the Fed. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, it's it's going to be it's it's you know it's, you it's see, just difficult to see the how we we're, we're going to we're going to end up you know how we're going to meet the square this off. It just means as a well, we've got to wait for the supply chain to, to, we've got to wait for the supply chain to write itself however long that's going to take because if they were to act if they were to push up rates at some point soon before you get back to uh, to full employment then you are going to see you're going to do less money in people's pockets you're going to decrease the demand for goods that's going to slow the recovery and therefore it's going to slow the employment prospects uh, and not good news for shareholders either or businesses uh, 
and that's what happens in a uh, in a supply crunch. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the central banks are very clear about that, particularly the Bank of England, you know, that it comes at a cost. And the cost is, if they think it's temporary, let's see if we can just hold on and wait through it and, and wait for the whites of the eyes of that inflation to turn back down again. And then and then we can be a bit more, um, you know, we can breathe, e- breathe easier. But it looks like on the current reckoning, there's a way to go before we get to that point. And what are the what's the impact of having for a long time negative interest rates, which is where we uh, real interest rates, which is where we are today? How long can that be sustained? Well, it, it can go on and on. I mean, look at what's been happening this week. We've been seeing um, as a result of you know some of these price pressures, uh, and yet central banks are saying we see it, but we're not acting yet. You're getting a push up in break evens. So today. Uh, break-evens in the US are back up almost to their cycle highs. In the two-year, on the two-year tenor, they're pushing up. They rose 18 basis points um, to the highest since 2005. So markets are wary about that. And of course, mechanically, what then happens is with, with nominal yields staying pretty low at the moment, you get this pullback in real yields. So real yields uh, in the US on the 10-year tenor touched minus 1.25% at one point on Wednesday. That's a new all-time low. They only, they've only rebounded back above, uh, about 10 basis points above that because there was a 30-year auction in the US which didn't go very well. It came in with high yields and that's pulled the whole lot back up again. Mm. Well, look, uh, not much uh, bond action in the States tomorrow because it's, uh, it's Veterans Day. So actually the bond market's uh, closed uh, tomorrow. So all the action's happening today. Uh, look, one uh, impact of inflation and rising supply costs is, is going to be, you know, what it does to, to retail figures because today is Singles Day in China, which is actually the biggest shopping event. They do It's basically their Black Friday, isn't it? Uh, and, uh, you know, I suspect there's not going to be many bargains there and there's not going to be many bargains when we get around to Black Friday at the end of the month either. So that's going to probably hit retail numbers. Well, well the, other thing, the other thing to feed into that, of course, is COVID is still raging through parts yeah. of uh, northern western China and, um, you know, the very harsh... Uh, stamp it out uh, methods that uh, that China's following mean mean that um, there's going to be a dearth of shoppers, I suspect. Yeah, well, I went to a couple of those sites to have a look and see what they're selling, and they're all sold out. So I suspect they didn't have many offers, uh, much stock of oh, those I offers know. anyway. Uh, yeah. Now, look, the uh, the US weekly jobless claims uh, they came out pretty well, didn't they? There were two hundred sixty seven thousand initial claims last week, down from two hundred seventy one the week before. So heading in the right direction, even though continuing claims are actually up a little. So it is slow going, and that that. Uh, won't help keep wage pressures down, uh, which all point again to, you know, a, a problem for the Fed, you know, because that's, that's the other issue for them, isn't it? How do they stop people looking at those uh, those headline inflation numbers and uh, and just piling on their demands for higher wages? Well, and, and that's and that's what we're seeing in all the wage numbers. The ECI, you know, we've talked about the uh, quarterly uh, ECI numbers uh, in the last few sessions uh, that shows you a 6% annual rise it's broadening out. That's mm. what's going to happen. Um, you know, the Fed will stick with the view that as that labour market heals and we get a return of some of these, particularly the low, the lower wage earners into the hospitality and leisure sectors, those will pick up. But there's lots of reasons for, you know, the Fed doesn't really know in, in terms of how scarred the labour market is. You know, the, the older generation, lots of people have decided post-COVID not to come back into the workforce or they're looking after, um, you know, grandchildren because, 
childcare isn't still back up to where it could be. There are a number of reasons why, you know, the older workers are not coming back in. Um, mm. You would expect, and the Fed expects, these to come gradually back in and labour market participation to pick up over time. But it's going to take a time. Well, the Aussie dollar uh, held, has held up pretty well against the, the rising US dollar. We saw a, a rising consumer confidence with the, the Westpac read yesterday. Building permits were down in September, but no surprise because we had a lockdown on. Uh, and this morning, Australia's employment numbers. Now, we saw 138,000 jobs disappear in September. They will, of course, be up in October because we're out of lockdowns. But uh, we also think the unemployment rate is going to rise as well, don't we? Because we, we expect a rise in the participation rate because there's more people able to work if they had a job. That's right. So we lost something like almost 300,000 jobs, Phil, um, during August and September through the lockdowns. So uh, the reopening of New South Wales, 11th of October, Victoria didn't reopen until the 29th. The labour market uh, data is collected mid-month, so it will pick up part of this. It's a partial month, if you like. You know, on, you know, on balance, the market is looking for a positive number. The consensus is for a 50,000 rise in jobs. We're looking for a more optimistic 80,000 rise in jobs. But the range, because of this uncertainty in terms of the collection of the month, is minus 50 to 120,000. Um, what is expected is, is that the sectors and industries that were hardest hit by the lockdowns, hospitality, tourism, etc. you know, there's been a big pickup in job, job ads in those in those sectors. Um, and so we'll, you know, be interested to see to what extent they're filled. The unemployment rate you talk about, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, expected to, to come in at 4.8%, up from 4.6. We've got a 4.6 at NAB. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible that the... Um, that the rate, the jobless rate rises over the coming months, despite strong labour market conditions, as more people back re-enter the labour market, re-enter the labour yeah, force. But tra- that can, that can be trained. We can, can say that will be transitory because there's they just need to yes, apply for the course, jobs and yes. get the job, and then they're back at work. Hopefully, uh, look in the UK yeah. GDP numbers later on for Q3. Uh, are they are they going to be? Uh, I mean, you know, it's it, they've disappointed, haven't they? The, the level of growth in the UK. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to get the Q3 numbers, uh, but also the monthly number for September. So the monthly number is at least seen coming in at 04 uh, the quarterly numbers at one and a half percent. We think the risks are skewed to the downside, you know, with the global supply chain issues more seriously curtailing car production, warmer weather has hit energy production for services, which of course drives the UK economy. There's evidence that consumers are not yet spending the significant savings that they amassed during the pandemic. So there's something like nearly 200 billion pounds uh, that they're sitting on in excess savings, and there's not really any evidence that that's being, you know, sort of drawn down. So, you know, whether it's behavior change post-COVID or whether it's, you know, households hunkering down ahead of what looks like to be a hard winter in the UK with higher energy costs and tax rises coming. Um, it's not clear, but um, we suggest that the uh, the risks on these numbers are skewed to the downside. Right. OK, well, that'll do for now. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks, Phil. And that is the morning call for this Thursday morning. Dave DeGarris will be joining me tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. See you then.